4: A college football tradition like no other. Yes or re boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow. That is sad. The Dave Hooker Show. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. Good morning. Welcome to you and yours.
5: It is a Friday. You made it, Travis. Good morning to you and all those on our message board. Go ahead and click that like button so we can bring some more people in because we've got a little interactive game that we want to play with you As it is the All-Star Weekend in the NBA, who are the all-time All-Stars for Tennessee basketball. Also, a Fred Friday. That's right, Smoky Mountain Red. Fred White will join us, as he does each and every Friday. And a special guest, a guy back in the biz. It is Mike Griffith, I used to say of the Knoxville News Sentinel repeatedly, but it is Mike Griffith of Dog Nation. Did a lot of radio with Mike back in the day. We'll get his thoughts on the Mike Bobo hire as that's the direction Georgia decides to go. I wrote about it on Off the Hook Sports. Check it out. We'll go through that a little bit later in the program. But all in all, I think Tennessee is in as good a shape as any program, probably better than the 10. 10 in the SEC hired new offensive coordinators for the 2023 season. Caleb Calhoun, good morning. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Happy Friday, Dave. Yep. Happy Friday to you. You got big uh, plans this weekend?
0: Um, Not too much. Um, I'm Hosting a couple of friends that I haven't seen in a long time, Um, but that's pretty much it. I guess we, Jordan and I decided we have to start hosting and we have to stop going out to meet people because it's just too much money. <laughs>
5: Amen to that. I think we're going to stop going to the grocery store uh, as it's too much uh, money, especially when you try to eat healthy. It's absolutely horrible. So let's get right into what I wanted to start the show with because Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay uh, have laid out their top uh, ten, and they've got a lot of quarterbacks in there. And I'm just curious what you think of one young man named Will Levis, Because I hear over and over again that he's the prototype NFL quarterback, Anthony Richardson. I hear from Mina Kimes, who retweeted a video of him, that he is a guy that has ability that you just can't teach out of Kentucky and Florida, respectively. So my question is, where is Hendon Hooker in all of this? So if you can give me a rundown of what Kuyper and McShay say, And I want to give you my thoughts with Hooker as a comparison, no relation. So I am
0: about to go – I am about to, uh, as Skip Bayless says, unleash on Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. I'm going to do that. Uh, um, I'm ready to go nuclear on them because – so Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. CJ Stroud and and Bryce Young are their top two quarterbacks. No issue there. Do you have any issue with that? I don't. I
5: have – well, yes. I think Bryce Young – is a generational type of talent, except for his size, so to me it's Bryce Young, and then there's a drop down, so I wouldn't even have Stroud on his level personally, but I, I, I see your point
0: yeah with you I'm with you, I disagree with Stroud, but I have no issue with it if that's what that means. Um, no issue with those, with those top two then will Levis and Anthony Richardson are in their top ten that's ridiculous I don't know who watched football last year and thought that. Will Levis or Anthony Richardson was better than Hendon Hooker. Now I get it. Will Levis didn't have a lot of support. I understand that. He had no offensive line. He had no protection. But I saw enough of him to say, you can be better than he was with limited protection in college. And I don't see any data that proves that either of those quarterbacks would be better than Hendon Hooker. And Anthony Richardson is just ridiculous to me. I'm sorry. Anthony Richardson is a complete, he's not going to work as a quarterback in the NFL, guys. I'm just going to say it.
5: Well, I think with Anthony Richardson, the thing that I hear that to me is so incredibly dated is that you got to give that guy a couple of years. Listen, those days are over with giving a guy a couple of years or even a year. is just not how the NFL works anymore. So I don't see how Anthony Richardson fits into the current state of the NFL, because what you want to do is you want to take advantage of those rookie contracts. So you're saying that you're going to out of two years, he's going to sit, and that eats up the rookie contract. So by the time he gets good, you have to pay him big-time money. I like Hendon Hooker, even with the ACL injury, more than Richardson. I like Hendon Hooker more than Will Levis, even with the ACL injury. And I'm not playing Homer here at all. I will tell you that I think that uh, Stroud and Young are on another level. I think Young, Bryce Young, is on the top level. Then I go down to C.J. Stroud, and then I would have uh, Hendon Hooker actually as the third-best quarterback. And you could talk about the upside of Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, but here's why I think Hendon Hooker from people I've talked to, and I didn't think this just a few weeks ago, but before the Senior Bowl, I talked to people, and it's kind of like Hendon Hooker's that third-top-arounder. And since I've talked to people, look, he could slip into the first round. Hendon Hooker could slip into the first round for a couple of different reasons. One, I don't think the ACL tear just in terms of ACL tears was as bad as you can see at other places is what I've been told. So he's going to rebound from that. He may be ready to play in the fall, I've been told. If that's the case, you don't rush him onto the field, but he's able to practice. The other thing that I've been told about Hendon Hooker is that he is going to get a boost when scouts really start to dig into his character. And that's no surprise to you, Caleb. That's zero surprise to anybody on our message board, but it's kind of like Josh Dobbs. If you've got to have a backup who maybe can't play, and I'm not saying Hooker is going to be a backup, but that's worst case scenario in my mind. If you've got to have that guy, why not have him be a good team guy? And I think Hendon Hooker is going to check all those boxes as well. So, If you want Will Levis, if you want Anthony Richardson, go for it. But I would take Hendon Hooker over both those guys. And that's hashtag no homer. I'm not being a homer about that at all. You?
0: No, I'm with you. In a heartbeat, I would take Hendon Hooker over both of those guys. And I look, I think you have a case for Hendon Hooker over C.J. Stroud. And I think what's so egregious about this ranking is that these four quarterbacks were all in their top ten. Hendon Hooker wasn't in their first round. That's ridiculous. I, I don't get it. I will say that you and I, Dave, I think have an advantage where sometimes I feel like Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay get SEC quarterbacks so wrong because they don't watch SEC football as religiously as we do. I will never forget how much they fell in love with Jamarcus Russell. And I felt like I was the only one saying Jamarcus Russell will not work in the NFL. I didn't even know he had the bad character issues. I just thought Jamarcus Russell wasn't that accurate of a quarterback. They fell in love with him because of that last second drive he had against Tennessee. But I mean, okay. That touchdown pass he threw to beat Tennessee. If you remember, was more about Ryan Carl being way out of position than it was him making an impressive throw. And I'm seeing the same with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. We watched them play. Yes. Anthony Richardson played well against Tennessee. Tip my cap to him. He played great. That had everything to do with Tim Banks playing the softest coverage possible because he knew rightly that if you make Anthony Richardson run a lot of plays, move the ball down the field. He's bound to make a mistake, and he made a mistake. And I don't see how you could – I don't see how anybody could look at those two quarterbacks and think that they're better than Hendon Hooker. I just don't. And I think you make you have it – again, I got no issue with Straud over Hooker. I think Hooker's better, but I've got no issue with him. But I think outside of Bryce Young, I, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think any of those quarterbacks are clear-cut over Hooker. And if you look at what Hooker did this year – Again, I do think you should judge by on-field performance to a certain degree, and I don't know how you could sit there and say that those bottom two, Richardson and Levis, are better than Hooker. I didn't. I. I didn't. I tried to. I tried to make a case for Levis earlier in the year. And Then I watched him play against Tennessee, and Tennessee doesn't have a a jaw-dropping defense by any stretch of the imagination, and Levis was horrible.
5: No, he was, and he was beat up. So I do want to throw that in there. He had shoulder and an ankle issue and i'll say this about hendon hooker hendon hooker is going to be looked at as a system quarterback and that's part of that's true he is going to have to be taught better footwork but you talk about a guy that's going to put in the work as soon as he's able to put weight on that knee he's going to be able to go out there and master footwork there's no question in my mind you're talking about a guy who came in and basically in year one uh, 2021 not 2022 last year he had mastered josh heupel's offense and had never seen it before showing on up on campus so he's a guy that's going to put in the work i believe he's going to learn how to reset his feet i believe he's going to have a solid nfl career right now if i put the over under at a dobbs career which is bouncing around what's it been seven years yeah seven years bouncing around for seven years and eventually starting towards the end of your career, if that's the over-under, that's the comparison, the over-under is Dobbs' career. Hooker will do better or worse than Dobbs currently has in the NFL. What say you, Caleb?
0: Better. Hooker's faster. He has a bigger arm. The intangibles are about the same. Um, Dobbs, I mean, like, I, I don't like to use this thing, but I, I would say Dodd's maybe a bit smarter, but Dodd's probably smarter than every quarterback in the NFL because he's a genius. <laughs> but um, outside of that, like, I, I don't think Hooker's not smart. I, mean, he's, I think relative to quarterbacks in the NFL, Hooker's going to be one of the smarter, smarter kids in there. And so, and he's got a big arm, better tan- or as good intangibles and he's faster too. So I would go with Hooker. And that's the thing, you know, half of the quarterback battle is you have to measure intangibles. And who could look at Hooker and think that he couldn't pick up a new offense pretty quickly? The guy, And also, intangibles matter. I'm going to say it. Dave, I know I'm overusing this term because we talked about it in basketball this week. But I'm going to say clutch gene. We watched him and Hooker play this year. He's got the clutch gene. Every time Tennessee needed to play, he came through. There were two games this year, both against Pittsburgh and Alabama. Pittsburgh in overtime stands out to me. Hooker runs for a touchdown in overtime. It's called back because of a holding. And what does he do? He comes right back and throws a touchdown pass. That is a clutch gene. You can't over you can't underrate that. And then against Alabama, we saw what he did. Um, two perfect throws over the middle to set up a game-winning field goal within 15 seconds. The guy again, the guy's got the clutch gene, and, and that, I think that stands out to me more than anything else.
5: Well, totally agree with you. All right, let's shift gears did a rundown of the offensive coordinators hired in the sec and there are a total of 10 which is just a whoppingly large number and uh, a handful of them are on tennessee's schedule so certainly they will be a factor we talked about mike bobo to replace todd munkin who left for the nfl and we'll talk to mike griffith of dog nation later in the program about bobo's hiring but There are other programs that are on Tennessee's schedule that have hired new offensive coordinators, and let me throw those at you. There's Alabama. The Crimson Tide goes with Tommy Reese from Notre Dame, more of a pro style. I think that clearly signifies some uncertainty in Nick Saban's mind as to what direction he wants to go. Just the beginning of last year, he still wanted to run the spread. He still wanted to run tempo. He still wanted to do those sorts of things that Lane Kiffin taught him way back when but now it's a shift in style so I give Tennessee the advantage in that regard I give Tennessee the advantage over Bobo South Carolina Dow Logans replaces Marcus Satterfield who left for Nebraska I'm going to keep harping on this and South Carolina fans you can continue to be mad at me but Shane Beamer is not the guy there I know how they finish the season He's not a long-term answer that's going to lead you to a championship. It's part of the reason Satterfield uh, bolted. And I don't like the rest of that coaching staff. I'm not crazy about Dow Logans either because he left Arkansas to join the Gamecocks. Did the Razorbacks blow anybody away on offense last year? If you're watching, no. Texas A&M hires Bobby Petrino. Again, the motorcycle accident is goofy. We can have fun and make fun of that. But it's another pro style guy. Does that blow anybody away? Meanwhile, Tennessee stick to its guns and they're going to stick with the offense they've had that's been successful by promoting Joey Halsley to offensive coordinator. And don't don't even question the fact that this is Josh Heupel's offense. Kentucky goes with Liam Cohen for the second time, which is odd. He's been with the Los Angeles Rams twice. He has been with Kentucky now twice. The Cats in his final season at Kentucky in 2021. They finished 10 and three, but no incredible offense. I didn't see anything that season that blew me away. And they were fifth in the SEC in scoring offense. Missouri, Kirby Moore from Fresno State. He's related to Dallas Cowboys offensive Kellen Moore. That's about all you need to know uh, with him. And Elijah Drinkwitz headed up that offense and didn't have an offensive coordinator. He's still going to medal. This hire does nothing for me. So as far as the teams on Tennessee's schedule, man, I like what Tennessee has done. Just standing pat a lot better than any of these other guys. If I had to pick a second, Man, I don't even know who the the second would be. I guess Tommy Reese, but you're switching to pro style and changing midstream. But I'll tell you, I I think Tennessee offensively is in far better shape than anybody on their schedule based off those coordinator hires. So there we go. Your thoughts, we get Caleb Calhoun back and um, go ahead and give us your thoughts on what you think of the other offensive coordinator hires and who might uh, stand out. Because right now, I think it's uh, Tennessee. We'll bring Caleb back in here. So out of that group, Caleb, who stands out to to you? Who's second best? If Tennessee's number one, which is my belief, who is number two out of that group? I'd probably go with Tommy Reese at Alabama.
0: You know, I wanted to go with Kirby Moore, but you talked me into the fact that this is Eli Drinkwitz's offense, which is – that's apologies to Missouri that it's his offense, but (laughs) it is. And so you talked me into it. I'm going to go Tommy Reese in Alabama, but I'm with you. I I don't think any of these hires are good. I think the best offensive coordinator hire outside, uh, you know, in the sec Tennessee doesn't play this year, which was Philip Montgomery coming from Tulsa to join Hugh freezes offense at Auburn. I think that was a good hire. Um, But nobody Tennessee plays made a good OC hire. Now, to be fair, Tennessee didn't play the team who yeah. made the worst OC hire this year, which would be Arkansas hiring Dan Enos. That was a terrible hire. And so <laughs> Tennessee's not lucky in getting to play that. I don't, for those of you who don't know, Dan Enos was Brett Belima's office coordinator from 2015 to 2017. I don't know why Arkansas wants to go back to the Brett Belima days, but, you know, whatever. That's, <laughs> they hired Sam Pittman, and we're hoping to get away from, from that. But I, I think that of those, the ones you named – I want to give Liam Cohen a, br- a break and say that wasn't a bad hire just because I saw what he did at Kentucky in 2021. I know that I know Will Levis was there and everybody thinks he's a top 10 draft pick, but I you know he's at least proven that he can be successful at Kentucky. And so I don't think that was a bad hire. But yeah, everybody else, I mean I, I think Tennessee is in great position. Look, I think Mike Bobo is a terrible hire honestly. I don't think he's a good offensive coach. I'm just going to say it. I don't think he's a good offensive coach. I, th- uh, I think you might take his playing days a quarterback over that.
5: <laughs> yeah. Travis says Petrino. I want to get to that uh, brought to you by Andy Mason, real estate, andy Mason, real estate.com. If you need real estate in Knoxville, Andy Mason is the answer. Andy Mason, real estate.com. His group has over 40 years of experience in real estate right there in Knoxville. Don't go with somebody that's going to end up costing you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Andy Mason, real estate.com. Check him out. Petrino. Travis, I'm going to respectfully disagree. I think if we're talking about Petrino 10, 15 years ago, he brought a pro-style top of offense to college, and it was really clean, and it was really good, and it worked. But I think that's antiquated at this point. Uh, Travis goes on to say his experience is going to make a difference unless his ego takes over. Here's the other issue. And that, that may be true. I think he can have them at least efficient, but are they going to be explosive? I would argue not. Here's the other thing. Jimbo Fisher's an offensive coach. So you could have a similar situation to Missouri in which you've got too many cooks in the kitchen. We saw that blow up at Tennessee in 2008 and it could very well blow up at Missouri or Texas A&M. And there's a lot of pressure on Texas A&M. So I don't I don't see Petrino bringing the Aggies up to the level of which Jimbo Fisher's contract, which would demand.
0: I don't either. And Dave, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Is the Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher are both play callers is the days of play calling. Is that outdated nowadays when you don't let your quarterback make the call?
5: I think play calling is the most overrated aspect of all of coaching. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe if you have a game plan in place, the play call should basically take care of themselves. And there are key situations and game management and play calling, but even let's even say a two point conversion, you got to get a two point conversion. If you're going up to the, if you're going up to the line of scrimmage and you haven't practiced that play 15,000 times leading up to that two point conversion, then you got a problem. You should already know what that is. I think that I think play calling is one of the most overrated things to be real honest with you. And in, in all of sports, I, I I think most of the time, you know what the, the play call should be based off what you're recognizing a from a formational standpoint of what a defense is doing. I, I mean, I, I just don't think there are a lot of times that – how many times do you think, seriously, Caleb, that you could say run or pass or run or pass? I mean, that's that's not that difficult. You you, you know ball. You could probably be 75 80%. <laughs> um, yeah. I just don't think there's a – David Cutcliffe told me that once, and I thought long about it. I don't think – if you've got everything set with a game plan, I don't think play calling is all that
1: important.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's where I think Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino are outdated. They both run pro style offenses where they're the play callers. And they were great at a time in an era of college football where their play calling was pretty good. But I'm with you. You don't coaches don't beat people anymore by outplay calling them. Honestly. I, I don't think that's a thing. And I, I used to think it was, but I'm with you. I, I and that's why that's why that's why they both fell by the wayside. Jimbo Fisher is on his last leg. Bobby Petrino got fired by Louisville because, you know, you can kind of I've always believed this. I said this with this is why for people who want to know the NFL, Cam Cameron got fired by Baltimore back in 2012. And then Baltimore went and won the Super Bowl. And then Cam Cameron went to LSU and got Les Miles fired because he was a micromanaging play caller. If you are the play caller. And you call every single play nonstop and don't let your quarterback audible or do anything, which Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino and Cam Cameron do. Defenses can scheme around that. They can figure out your tendencies and they're going to figure out your tendencies. They can disguise coverages. And I think that's what's happened with Fisher and Petrino. I think this is going to be a disaster. I mean, I could see, I could feasibly see four and eight, three and nine for Texas AM and Jimbo Fisher is finally fired and walks away with $50 million or whatever.
5: Now, Caleb, you said you hated the Bobo hire. I want to be clear because Smokey Mountain did point something out. Uh, He averaged uh, in the high 30s while at Georgia. Yes, he did. So I'm I'm not saying that Bobo's an awful hire. I just thought it was a bland hire made by a defensive coach that wants his program to be based around defense, that wants his defense to uh, be – well-rested, unlike Tennessee. Tennessee's the other direction. They're built around offense. I just thought it was kind of a bland hire. I would have been much more concerned for Tennessee's sake had they gone out and uh, hired an Alex Golish type, a guy that had overseen an incredible offense. I think that would have been scary for Tennessee. I just thought it was a blah hire. I'm I'm not saying it's a horrible hire. They're still going to have better talent than everybody else so they'll be fine. Portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, com. City Heating and Air Conditioning is phenomenal, and integrity matters. You might not need a whole new unit when the weather starts to warm up and your HVAC unit has some issues. That's City Heating and Air Conditioning. Smoky Mountain Red said, curious to see what both Alabama and Georgia does at quarterback. I hear the Nick Saban's ready to move on from the Jalen Milrow thing. Now he may not have a choice, but uh, we shall see And Georgia at quarterback. Yeah. We'll ask Mike Griffith dog nation about that. Do me a favor, hit that like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do that coming up. We'll visit with Fred white. It's Fred Friday and we appreciate you tuning in and go to off the hook sports for Tennessee coverage. You can't get anywhere else. And it's free. Please support our advertisers and sponsors because they're awesome. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off Doug's Sports.
3: Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater.
2: Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years according to the April 2022 US Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher, and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today.
3: Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli South subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business.
6: Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's Air.
4: Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finals for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down.
3: Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from doctors Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hong at cctis.com.
4: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
4: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No,
5: Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
4: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary, void were prohibited by law. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple. Spotify and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free.
6: Is there nothing you people can't do?
4: Also available on OffTheHookSports.com
5: We'll get to Fred White here momentarily. Portions of the program brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Bassey Lawn and Garden, whether you're in Knoxville, Nashville, or Chattanooga. If you're in the mood for some industrial mowers or commercial mowers. If you're restocking your fleet or starting your own company, man alive, it's worth the drive to Cleveland. And it's a beautiful drive as well. David Bassey at Bassey Lawn and Garden with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Mike Griffith to join us from Dog Nation. We'll get his thoughts on the Mike Bobo hire. And this guy will offer us some insight as to the Mike Bobo hire. Fred White is fantastic. He's wearing the orange. He does so every Friday. I love him. Hey, Fred, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today?
5: We're great. It's a Fred Friday and brought to you by Allstate Insurance. Fred can take care of your insurance need needs. Fred, how do they get in touch with you?
1: Well, you can give our office a call at 770-381-0367. You can also look us up on just by Google um Fred White Allstate. Um, we have we have a link on Facebook as well as Instagram and also Twitter. So give us a, a a shout on either one of those, and we can take care of you here.
5: I think that I think that Google thing is going to last.
1: I think so too. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think, I think that, I'm happy it came about during my life, my lifetime. I'm pretty yeah sure of it. yeah.
5: I think <laughs> I think that I think that guy's onto something there. Um, He's worth $54 billion. All right. So, um, Fred, I want to ask you because you're in. And, by the way, Fred can handle you if you're in Georgia right now. Um, So, his insurance is fantastic and he'll take care of you. Um, So, you're in Georgia. You're in Atlanta. I'm sure you saw the Mike Bobo hire as offensive coordinator. That hit me like just a – if I'm a Georgia fan, a big – it just didn't do anything exciting for me. He's pro style. He hasn't had great success. What did you think of the Mike Bobo hires offensive coordinator?
1: Well, around here in Georgia, you guys they look at it different, I think. I think they look at it more than one way. Yeah, it it may not have been a big-time hire, um, but it's one of their own. Uh, Mike Bobo is a Georgia guy. He went to Thomas County Central High School down in South Georgia where they do a lot of recruiting for – from Peach County and Coquit and those places. They got a lot of good football players out of the area. Um, he's from that area, and he's a teammate of their head coach. So yeah, I think that that kind of helps with that. I guess that's the way you spin it for them. Um, is he a good coach? I think he is. I don't know if I could put as much stock in him being an offensive coordinator at the University of South Carolina that says he can't make it. I don't know if that's the case. He did go out to um, – Colorado State, and he was the head coach there. And they had some pretty good offenses. They had a guy who actually won a Blitnikoff Award. So he can, he knows how to throw the ball around the football field and those type of things. I don't think he just had – I don't think he's a head coach. That offensive coordinator part of it, though, I think that that can help him out. I think he'll be okay there. So, I like Mike Bobo. I, I've been knowing him ever since we were 18 – well, I was 15 years old. So. Oh, really? Yeah. We went to a few uh, football camps together. I was a quarterback in high school. So I went to a lot of the same camps he went to, Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, University of Georgia, Furman, you know, you name it, those type of things. So how much
5: will, do you think he'll be asked to recruit at Georgia? Because a lot of times the coordinators don't recruit a lot, especially offensive coordinators because they'll just recruit the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Do you think given his ties in Georgia, maybe he'll be asked to recruit a little bit more?
1: I think he may be asked to come in and how to, to, you know, take care of the guys in the South Georgia area, but maybe not as the initial guy, but someone could try to help come close the deal. Um, he has a lot of respect from down in that area. I mean, but like I said, he's from there. He's a quarterback that played at the University of Georgia, and he's from that area. He's done a good job in recruiting there in the past. So I wouldn't see him not being able to be a part of that recruiting staff there. Let me
5: ask you as a, a former safety. When you see Josh Heupel's offense versus a more traditional offense, and yes, Mike Bobo can throw it around, but I think you would agree it's it's a little bit more traditional. Mm-hmm. What are the challenges in in facing both as opposed to the other?
1: Well, I think even though we have a wide open offense, we, we spread the field very wide. We ran the ball way more than we than we passed it last year,
6: mm-hmm. and sure. we had
1: a Belinda Cup award winner. So I think it's just concepts and how you get the ball into your playmakers' hands and those type of things, and just coming up with different schemes for different defenses now. Um, before you just had a, we have a system. This is our system, and that's all we're gonna do. And you gotta fit in our system. I think now is you gotta tailor your your play calling to your talent. Um, and I think Josh has done a really good job of doing so. Um, with Mike Bobo, they've had the top five running backs in quarterbacks and receivers and offensive linemen for the last so many years. I mean, over the last 15 years, you can look at their program and say they've been right in the top five the to top 10 every other year, if not every year. So the talent pool that he has and what they're trying to get done is to be more smash mouth football, kind of like an Alabama back, you know, a few years ago, that kind of style, but you can also be able to throw the ball all over the field. So I think they he can, it's, it's both. It's hard either way. I mean, you just got to find out, figure out ways to do your job to stop them.
5: And it helps if you have really good players like
1: Georgia. Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, when you've ranked in the top 10 for the last 15 years in recruiting, you have a talent pool to go with.
5: It's a Fred Friday click uh, the like button and that'll help us open it up to more viewers. We appreciate that. We've got all kinds of great things coming up with Fred that we're looking forward to. And don't forget to subscribe. If you haven't already, what are you thinking? Uh, Portions of the program brought to you by craft treats. Go to craft treats. They've got the CBD infused dog treats, the chill pills, that are great for your pet when it comes to anxiety or it comes to digestive issues or arthritis. Go to Craft Treats. Use the promo code off the hook. The promo code off the hook. Caleb, Fred, I know why you
0: like Mike Bobo. It's because your defense has dominated him when he played you guys in the <laughs> late mid nineties.
1: You just have fond memories of that, don't you? <laughs> I have very fond memories of those. Absolutely, five and zero against those Bulldogs
5: you're as bad Fred as when Rick Pitino said that Tennessee definitely should keep Wade Houston because he's a great, great coach. Listen, when the opposite, I'm just telling you, when the opposition says you're doing a great job and you are fantastic, then that means that there's a weakness there. I'm just saying.
1: You remember Nick Saban saying that about, um, our last head coach? Yes. Yes. <laughs> as soon as he said it, I was like, uh oh. in trouble. <laughs> when you
5: get the dreaded vote of confidence, like, boy, that Jim donnan he's one heck of a coach. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. I mean, you just you said I like this guy, he's nice on a a personal level, I got to know him, and he's a great hire by Georgia while you're wearing an orange shirt. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, there's a reason that Michael Jordan hates the Pistons to this day. Because he couldn't beat him for a few years.
1: <laughs> yeah. But he's yeah. he probably loves Carl Malone and John Stockton. He got he was happy when yes. they got rid of Richard Diddley. Yeah. <laughs> Adrian um, Diddley, rather. I'm sorry. Adrian Diddley, Diddley. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, you know, the, it's funny. You brought something up that I feel like it's weird because, you know, we always feel like that. You know, when you you played in the '90s, it was very common. Obviously, Tennessee did this. It was very common for a coaching staff to be led by a bunch of former players that played for the school. You know, they hire within the family. But it seemed like college football in the '2000s moved away from that. Tennessee certainly has. Is it is it odd to you that Georgia, like you said, they're going they're going back to what seemed like a thing in the '90s and before, where they're staying within the family with
1: all of their hires? You know, I think I think the move for, for Mike Bobo is to try to figure out, can we have a good program and they just won a national championship, two back-to-backs, and it's on the upward tra- trajectory. What they did at Alabama was every offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator that they won a national championship usually got another job somewhere else as a head coach. So if you're Mike Bobo, you got to be thinking, all right, if I can steady this ship, Help us get to the college football playoffs and national championship again in the next three or four years. I know I have another opportunity to be a head coach somewhere. Um, now I don't know if that's his logic or not, but after winning two national championships, no one's ever done it three times in a row. No. I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to happen. I don't think that's the case. I'm, I hope I'm not shooting myself and sticking my foot in my mouth by saying so. But I think that national championship run may stop at two. And eventually they can be in another national championship game, maybe. Um, Could possibly win another one, you know, year four or five or something like that. I think they'll always be a part of the picture because of how they recruit and the head coach that they do have. They have a a stockpile of talent. So that gives you an opportunity to be in the top five every other year, those type of things, or every year. Um, But I think if you're Mike Bobo, you're thinking, I come here, win a few SEC championships as an offensive coordinator, I have an opportunity to be another head coach at a, you know, at a later date.
5: What were your thoughts on uh, Stetson Bennett? He was kind of a lightning rod. He was a little bit of a smart aleck. And he, he played really well, super clutch. But it seemed like they always wanted to replace him. They wanted a guy that was more talented each and every offseason. What did you think of Stetson Bennett in general?
1: I mean, he got the job
6: done.
1: Yeah, You can't really, you know, a guy who got the job done two times in a row, you, you won two back-to-back national championships and you went undefeated in the SEC. I can't I, – I have nothing bad to say about him, you know. He did his job. He did what he – I mean, even though he was, you know, a fifth- or sixth-year senior, it didn't, it, he didn't determine that. You know what I mean? He did the job. He got his job done. He was the leader of that team offensively, he did a great job. I don't see him, like I said, talked about this earlier a few weeks ago. I don't see him being a high draft pick or anything. I, I doubt that's the case, but I think he was, for college football, he did a really good job of doing the job he needed to do. Hitting the wide open guys, you had that much talent around you, and you got that much time, you better deliver, and he did. Is there any similarity in,
5: in your mind to what he did and what T. Martin did because both had great defenses. Both continued to get better throughout their career. T was more physically gifted. Both made plays with their legs in clutch situations. Any similarities there?
1: I um, I can't put. I can't go with that one just because.
5: Yeah. Well, I'm wrong a lot, Fred. That's that's uh, I, that's. Fine. I think
1: <laughs> I think T. Following a, a legend. Okay with no expectations whatsoever. I mean, we weren't even picked to be in the top 10, you know, start of that season. Definitely certainly wasn't picked to be in the national championship game. I think when you look at his situation, you just want a back, just want a national championship and the next season coming in, it's expected that you at least you, you got everybody coming back. You did lose a lot of guys, but, A lot of guys played the year before. Your defense, you know, was stacked. Offensive line is still good. Good, you know, talent at running back and those type of things. I think it was expected to see what you can do the next year. And I think he did a good job of showing that he was capable of getting the job done. Um, In T's situation, no one expected for us to be that good. No one, except for us. So I think it's a little bit different situation.
5: Fair.
0: Fred sticking on that point because Tennessee's in a similar situation this year with moving on from not a Peyton Manning legend, but, but I think I think a fairly pretty good quarterback legend in Hendon Hooker mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Tennessee. Um, and Joe Milton seems like he's going to take the job. Do you see similarities and parallels where, you know, Joe Milton and T. Martin both, well, Joe Milton lost the starting job, but they had to sit behind another quarterback for two years. And I, I feel like T. I've heard say a lot that that second year he sat behind Peyton Manning really helped him develop as a as a quarterback for when he was going to start in 98. Do you see a similarity with Joe Milton sitting behind him and Hooker and kind of really developing over two years and getting ready to take over
1: now? Let's, let's definitely hope so. I think so as well. Um, I watched him in the bowl game against Clemson, and if he can continue to go on that trajectory, I think he's going to be a stellar quarterback for us the rest of the season. I mean, the guy has a cannon for arm, and we've all seen it in, in the memes and the jokes and those type of things of him overthrowing people. But I did watch in the game against Clemson where he put a little bit more air on the ball and he gave his guys an opportunity to go up and get it. Um, Anything short, I have a lot of confidence in him throwing those short routes because of how strong his arm is. Um, But the one thing that I think that helped for T and any other quarterback is the fact that you have continuity in your coaching staff, in your quarterback room, and you're running the same offense with the same terminology. That makes a difference, too. Um, when you have that type of continuity with your players and they know that these this is what we're running, we're working on those things. I think that's what made Peyton so much better too. He was able to understand the playbook inside and out, and we were running the same thing, We got the same terminology, no coaching changes, no things like that. We're handling everything we got to handle. I think that is um, paramount into being a good quarterback in the SEC. And I know a lot of people get up, uh, this guy I'm going to bring up, Garantano. Four offensive coordinators. <laughs> four years in a row. That makes a difference. That makes a big difference because you got to learn a whole different concept. So being able to have the same concept and the same players around you, and you're all working on that one thing over and over and over and over again. I think that makes you a better quarterback. But I think that's going to be the case with Joe Milton. It's just third year being here. Same coaching staff for two years. So I think that's going to help. What would you – given – that you were around T,
5: what would you tell Joe Milton about replacing a uh, Heisman Trophy
1: finalist? You don't have to replace him. You got to do what you got to do. You got to handle your business and take care of your job. Your job is to not turn the ball over. Your job is to push the ball down the field. Your job is to manage this football team and to lead it. Your job is not to go out and do what Peyton Manning did. Your job is not to go out and do what he hooker did. You need to go out and do what Joe Milton does best.
5: Yeah, and I call, him a, I call him a finalist. He should have been. He was on my ballot, but he he, he actually wasn't. At what point did you believe that T was going to be just fine? Was it even before Peyton
1: left? We always thought people, T could, could ball. That, I mean, his talent spoke for itself. I mean, he could run. He had a cannon for an arm. And he was not a guy that was easily brought down. But I, I think the, the day that we had confidence in T, but that one year after Peyton left, this is the first time this ever happened. We go green jerseys all the time with quarterbacks. You can't, means you can't touch them, right? Well, this particular spring, there was no green, green jerseys. Everyone was live, including the quarterbacks. So we kept thinking to ourselves, man, what's going to happen if T gets hit and he gets hurt? And we were waiting on that one collision between him and a certain person. Either him and Raynard or him and Al. And the him and Al situation happened right down the sideline. T broke out and him and Al hit each other. Well, take that back. Al hit T. (laughs) (laughs) I think you you can hear a big gasp like, is he going to get up? And he popped right up and ran back to the huddle. At that very moment, you knew he's battle tested. He's ready. Don't touch him again. That's it. If he can take a lick from Al, he's fine. He's gonna be all right with us. Now, from this point on, protect him. That's it. Coach put him on a green jersey. Al made that comment in practice. He's like, That's it. Don't hit him no more. He our quarterback. Get him a green get him a green jersey. And the next day he had a green jersey.
5: That was spring that was spring ninety eight.
1: Spring ninety eight. We wow. knew what we had as a quarterback. I mean he showed us who he was. We already knew that. We're just waiting to see it, you know, on a regular basis, and we got a chance to see that, and that made a difference, a huge difference. Great stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of want to stay on the T. Martin story because I, I still think it's the
0: one of the most underrated stories in Tennessee football history for a guy to, you know, sit two years – could have started for four years at anywhere else, honestly, mm-hmm. talent and waited two years and then wins the national title. And, and, and I think of – what did it speak about his intangibles the, to – to win that Syracuse game. You know, he, 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 he struggled a little th- a bit throughout the game, but he leads a huge touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, and then he leads a game-winning drive against the top 25 team, Donovan McNabb, on the road, mm-hmm. his first start. What did that speak of – what type of clutchness did that ha- did that require to be able to do that?
1: Well, I mean, we've, we had been sitting in practice every day, so it was no different. And we were waiting on him to just break out and show who T. Martin was, and he did. That 60-yard, what was a 60- or 70-yard run he had against them? Um, it may have been 50 yards. It could have been 30. I can't remember. It, it, the older I get, the longer that run gets. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like 80, it's, like
5: it's like 89 <laughs>
1: yards now, Fred. <laughs> but it's, it was that one run on a third down. He gets the first down. They hit him out of bounds and give us a 15 yards outside. You know, on top of that. I mean, he puts us right in position to win the game, you know? I mean, that's what you, do, that's what you got from T. Martin. He knew how to win. He wanted to win and they showed it. And that, that was, you know, for us being honest, we knew who McNabb was, but we had T Martin. We didn't really know exactly who McNabb was until we played him, though. That was, we didn't realize how big of a win Syracuse was at the carrier dome until later in the season. And the, the next week, Michigan and Syracuse play and they play in Michigan at the big house. And Syracuse won 41 to 10. And I will never forget that because right then we realized, like, man, we that might be a good football team we just beat. Because we didn't give them a lot of respect going in there. It was a Big East. They can't play football with us. They did. I mean, that was a big, a big part of that. Their defense was pretty good. Their safeties and secondary were amazing. Bullock, the linebacker, played years in the NFL for the Titans. So, I mean, they had a squad. It was just the fact that we didn't know much about them, you know, before that season was over, we realized exactly how good they were.
5: The the other thing I've talked to T about that season, and he felt like that he was somewhat handcuffed for most of the 98 year, that they didn't just give him kind of free reign of the offense. And he thought he could do more. And I, I'm, I'm curious if you think Tennessee's coaches will limit what Joe Milton can do early, or do you just let him go at it full bore with the offense? What would you do?
1: Uh, different mindsets when it comes to coaching. I love Coach Cut, but I think the most open the offense was was when T. Martin, when we played against Florida State, and Randy Sanders was actually the coordinator that week, um, Coach Cutcliffe had just taken the job as an old Miss head coach, and he did a great job. I have nothing bad to say about Cutcliffe. He did a great job for us, and he's one of the best coaches around, but I will say that That game was the most open our offense was against Florida State. Mm -hmm. Went downfield a few times, and I think Randy Sanders did a great job of saying, you know what, T, I'm going to give you an opportunity to show what you can do and also show what I can do calling plays. And it was wide open, and I think that's what won won us the game. Had we gone about it the same way, I don't know if we beat Florida State. Um, Those big plays downfield helped us. Peerless Price to, you know, amazing. It was just It was just a great feeling to see those guys connect downfield and see what they've done all day, all week in practice and all year in practice and finally got a chance to see it in a football game. So I think that was good for T. But also with Joe Milton, I don't look at – Josh doesn't have a stop button. (laughs) He doesn't. Josh doesn't have that, okay, I'm going to sit on the lead. Hey, man, Josh trying to score. He won points. He's scoring. If he can score on you – he's going to score on you. It's back to that old day back in the day when I heard Steve Spurrier say, my job is to score, your job is to stop me. Josh scoring. So he's not going to hold back. No. Either you can get that job done with your arm talent, or you won't be starting. I don't see him tapering it back. and you know, I think he's going to go forward. Yeah. I like that too. I like a guy who can up, take the lead and put his foot on your neck and keep it going. Hey, man, foot on the gas, down the hill. Let's go.
5: I, I think he's – I've said this before. I think he's a clone of Spurrier without the smart
1: aleckness. Exactly. Way, yeah, he definitely doesn't have that part. But my like offensive mind-wise, I think that's the same. He's going to go at you. You're going to have to stop him.
5: Was there any Spurrier comment that got under your skin? Like uh-huh, A few of them.
1: I, <laughs> you can't smell citrus without a U and a D. That will still get under my skin to this day.
5: I'm not
1: gonna.
5: i will never, I'll
6: never bring it up again.
5: And I won't tell you that it's on its coasters at his restaurant in Gainesville either. Is it? Yes. <laughs> it's, wow! It's
1: the gift that
5: keeps on giving.
1: Needless to say, I'd never go to that restaurant. Yeah,
5: we're not. We're not. We're not making a trip there anytime soon. Persons at the front. Brought to you by Zach England of Best & Brock. Zach's got your back. You can go toe-to-toe with the uh, insurance company attorneys when it comes to personal injuries and get your just rewards. That's Zach England of Best & Brock. Zach's got your back, Caleb.
0: Uh, well, Fred, I want to say on that because, um, you know, you, you seem to have a feeling that I was just pointing out all of your – all of y'all's failures with you last week. So, uh, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, know, you talk about some of the worst losses, Nebraska <laughs> and Florida. Yeah, but- Didn't have any more big, bigger than those. I mean – <laughs> Maybe Memphis But outside of that You didn't bring that one up But well, I brought you know, it up funny, So you wouldn't
0: <laughs> You know what's funny Is uh, Kevin Cobb's brother Was the PE teacher At the school I, I went to even say that no, sorry. <laughs> sorry
5: Sorry He was down For the record
1: His elbow was no, he down.
0: down I'm from Memphis And that was the first game My brother ever went to um, Was that Memphis Tennessee game But yeah
1: He was But for, yeah. for the record I'm sorry to cut you off For the record He was down And the referee blew the whistle Oh, the ref blew the whistle. I didn't know yeah. that. Happened. Go back and watch the copy of TV copy. It said you can hear it. Oh, okay. he had blue, but he blew. That's the whole point, right? Yeah, it's the intent. He intended to end the play.
5: Okay, I didn't know that, but his elbow is definitely down. There's no
1: question. Yeah. He was down,
0: but you will had a Heisman caliber quarterback score only 17 points against a 4-17. and That's, you know. Look at Caleb.
1: Hold hold on now, now, Caleb. They had a lot of NFL football players on their team, and they were the number one ranked defense in the nation. (laughs) They they, did.
0: That was the rip-sharing years. They didn't have a good defense. And Caleb's Uh,
5: about 600 miles away from Fred right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: the the one game I – Okay. To y'all successes because that's where I was actually going to go. I didn't bring up Memphis. You guys did.
1: <laughs> um, well, I tried to bring it up so you wouldn't, but you did.
0: You <laughs> um,
1: uh, what
0: changed with '98 Florida, and what was it that? Because we talked about Spurrier's offense. What changed? Mm-hmm. The, what did you guys do differently to really figure out their offense? Because it seemed like just I actually think y'all kind of figured them out partially throughout 97 but definitely in 98 it seemed like y'all just shut them down what really did anything schematically change
1: during that time there's a few things changed me and deon grant became became the starters of secondary i'm <laughs> saying that because we decided we, we want to change the defense we're gonna change it <laughs> we did so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, respect that. I respect that but I'm, I'm being honest i mean i think we had some really good calls coach Tavis did a great job of you know, coming up with blitz pass that week, but I don't think anyone thought we could beat Florida. First of all. I think coaching we coached to win the game, but didn't know if we could or not. But every year we played against Florida, they changed the how we practiced. Or, you know, the little things we did, the giggles or you know, laughing and you know, poking fun, or just being the locker room the same way. It wasn't the same Florida week. Everything was so rigid and strict and hey amen. Forget that. We got them in our house. We don't have a Peyton. We don't have a Leonard Little. We don't have a Terry Fair. We don't have a Marcus Ness. This is our team. We're going to do everything the same way we've been doing it. We're not changing anything this week. So everybody kind of was like, nope. Coaches would say, stop that laughing. And we're going to laugh anyway. We just oh, did. Funny, I mean, it's
5: funny you mention that because uh, I interviewed. Do you remember Mondre Dickerson? Yep. Okay. I interviewed him. It was back when we could grab you guys one-on-one, and you can't do that anymore. It's all a press conference setting. But I just asked him, I said, are, are there is there anything different about the coaches in Florida week? And he said, yeah, they get real tight. So mm-hmm. that didn't go over really well with Phillip and the guys, as you can imagine. But it and was the truth.
1: He told the truth.
5: Yeah. And it's funny that you say that the players just – or it's interesting. It's not funny. It's interesting that you say the players just kind of took over and said, listen, here's the deal. This is not going to be a tense week. That, that's pretty unique, Fred. I dig that.
1: Well, because we we play the way we play. Do your job first, and then you help. Handle your business and do what you have to do. And I think that week, I remember Sean Ellis, He did. we would always play a flag football game, like a touch football game, and the linemen would be like the big guys. And the big guy, the you know, the linemen would be like the receivers and stuff, and the middle guys would be like the linemen. So quarterbacking would be Al, uh, would be Sean Ellis and Al Wilson or, you know what I mean, stuff like that. Just something to just kind of play around and, like, laugh and joke a little bit, see if you can catch the ball. and It was just fun, right? We did that every week on a Friday. But Florida Week, they wouldn't let us do it. All week long, everyone kept saying, man, we're playing our touch football game. We're going to play it. I don't care what they say. If they tell us we can't do it, we're going to do it anyway. And literally, we did. And they didn't have a problem with it. Coach Chambers was out there laughing. He started throwing the ball around. I think it opened us up a little bit more. We weren't so tight going into the game. And we got a chance to play the game like we wanted to play it. We were loose. And that's how our team had always been against anyone else. Just against Florida, it was like, why is everything such a big deal now? we We've been doing it this way all year, you know? So – I think that was part of the change and helping us win a national championship as well. But beating Florida that year had a lot to do with us not changing our stride. We, we did what we were supposed to do. We did our job.
5: That is gold. Absolute gold. I love talking to Fred. Um, Buddy, again, give us the uh contact info so we get a hold of you if anybody needs insurance in the Georgia area.
1: You know – give us a call at 770-381-0367 or you can also look us up on google just google fred white off state our website is there as well as facebook and twitter uh, fred white off state insurance you can find us there Um, we help with life insurance auto home you got some great rates when you come to bundling your home and your auto or your home and your your auto and your rental Um, you can also bundle life insurance with your auto or life insurance with your home. Have something to pay off your mortgage when you're gone. Take care of your family. We would love to be able to help you with those things. Give us a call, 770-381-0367.
5: Fred, you're the man. I appreciate you.
1: All right. Thank you, guys, man. Talk to Happy you. Friday. Go balls. Say,
5: hey, Fred, what about this? Somebody's saying on the channel that uh, they would love to buy you a beer and just listen to Tennessee football stories about the 98 team. Maybe we should work something out like that, wink, wink.
1: Absolutely, I I enjoy a beer while telling some stories. Well, yeah, I don't know. There's a
5: it'll be a beer, but maybe something's cooking. Maybe we'll 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 get to that uh, as we celebrate ninety eight. Thank you. I
1: can smell it. Bacon (laughs) on Sunday
5: morning. Thank you, buddy, Fred White, former ball football Friday with Fred. Love it. Mike Griffith will join us. I love him. He's fantastic. Covers Georgia like nobody else. Mike, please give me two minutes. And he's right there. He's got an awesome background, too. Off the Hook Sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Two minutes.
3: Sun, sand, and saltwater, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah! Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need,
6: Chattanooga, we're at it again.
4: For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finals for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down.
3: Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Um, who's this guy? Hello,
4: Wizard! The Dave Hooker Show. Who? A presentation of Off the Hook Sports what? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Kept this guy waiting too long. My apologies to Mike Griffith of Dog Nation joining us now. He's a superstar. You hear him with Paul Feinbaum. You hear him all over the place. His appearance brought to you in part by Zool Beer Company, the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports, xulbeer.com, parking downtown, and worldwide award winning craft beer doesn't get any better than that. Mike Griffith, how are you, sir? Dave, how you doing, man? I'm good. So the first time you and I did radio together was, should I date us? It would be, was it, was it, was it 2007? It was 2007.
2: Wow, man. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a yeah. So, so dave i remember i remember this you were our regular host and when i would fill in for you this was the go-to question if you had to fire philip fulmer pat summit or bruce pearl which one of the three would you fire? <laughs> in, in the knoxville radio airwaves would explode for two hours and you'd go what kind of mess did you leave me with there's people still upset about that stupid question they don't have to fire anybody mike
5: The best one, though, where my phone, I was sick that day, and I was laying on the couch, and my phone just started blowing up. So Mike had Dick Vitale on. So fix the story if you need to, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there as I remember. So my phone's blowing up, and I'm like, what the H is going on? And apparently Mike had Dick Vitale on, and Dick Vitale at some point got disconnected, went to the restroom while he's possibly urinating he said that joe kim noah wouldn't be as good and that billy donovan told him or i'm messing the story up mike but it literally and then vital calls you back on the air and says wait baby was i on the air there i didn't (laughs) my phone would not stop i'm sitting there all drugged up on cold medicine and it wouldn't stop
2: well, it was, Dick was, he, you know how we put people on hold and we'll say, oh, we'll get to you in just a minute. Well, we came back on air and he was talking to somebody else, like you were saying, and he didn't realize he was on air. And he was talking about Al, Hor- Al Horford and Joe Kim Noah. And he's saying, you know, and, and, and if they take Noah over Horford, they're crazy. And he goes, and I'll tell you who told me that, Billy Donovan. He goes, of course, he said he would never say that publicly. Well, it, it just so happened that the SEC basketball teleconference was going on at the same time, and Mike Strange, who was our columnist, heard this and asked Billy Donovan on the coach's teleconference <laughs> well, what Dick Vitale just said, and then between the time we disconnected from Dick and he called back, Billy Donovan had called him and said, I just got to ask this question on the teleconference. We were a two-hour show. This is all happening. So you oh, wait a minute. And I never even said that. And it's like, well, you did, but you didn't realize you were on. So it was, it was, it was radio magic and there's nothing like live TV and live radio. And um, yeah, we felt, and then Dick showed up with apologies and an autograph book. The thing about Dick is he can't, he, he wants everybody. And he is a wonderful, he is a wonderful guy. He's been a treasure and he genuinely felt bad about the whole mix up. And then I, I felt bad about it at the time, but I didn't have control over whether he was on the air or not. Our producer kind of let him let him go. We had we had a bit of a Maverick producer back then for better and worse at different times. But uh, that
0: was that was a memorable moment for sure. Most most importantly, Dick was right, though. I mean, Horford was a better. He was
5: right. (laughs) That was the same producer that broke up with his girlfriend and came in and cried while John Adams and I were on the air one time cried during the show there was no going to him how long have y'all been dating two months well come on i mean i I guess it's one thing to split like with your wife after 10 years it's one thing to date a girl for two months and be 21 years old
2: well it happens right (laughs) all right here we (laughs) are dave here we are 16 years later with a lot of funny stories
5: let's let's turn to georgia let's get current um Mike again is with Dog Nation and he covers the heck out of that beat. So I don't know that there's any even anybody else that you want to follow when it comes to Georgia football coverage. But uh curious your thoughts about the Mike Bobo hire and how Georgia fans are accepting that at this point. What did you think of the hire and what's the reaction been?
2: Well, you know on the surface, you know, it, it just it depends on your depth of knowledge and where you're at on this. I mean, Todd Munkin leaving, there's nobody that's going to say that's a good thing for Georgia. I mean, he's he's been the preeminent offensive coordinator. The numbers are remarkable. Now, I don't want to qualify too much because I do think he's fantastic, but they have had probably the best defense in the country the last three years. It helps when you're getting the ball at your own 40-yard line. It helps when you're rarely playing from behind. It helps when you're getting three and outs and your quarterback can get into a rhythm. So he's been in an ideal situation with a lot of talent. It helps when you've got Brock Bowers. It helps when you've got George Pickens. It helps when you've got a running back like Kenny Mac and you've got a first round left tackle that doesn't give up. There's been a lot. So that's the qualifier that I put before this is that all the pieces are in place for Georgia to win championships with whoever the offensive coordinator is provided, you know, they don't beat themselves and they understand how to design an offense around personnel Now, Mike Bobo, on the surface, you go, well, now, wait a minute. This guy was fired from Auburn. Him and Harson never really were together, and I don't know how much that offense was his in qualifying. He was fired from South Carolina. Well, Will Muschamp only had, like, one guy off that offense drafted. So I'm not going to judge Mike Bobo off 2020 and 2021. Now I'm going to sell him to you. And I'm in the living room, and the quarterback says – But Coach Bobo, Saban tells me – not Saban, somebody else. It's never Saban. Coach so-and-so from Alabama tells me that this is what you did at Auburn in 2021 and this is what you did at South Carolina in 2020. Okay, here's where I come back if I'm Bobo. Son, do you know who coached the SEC's all-time leading passer, Aaron Murray? Yeah, that was me. Son, do you know who coached the SEC's all-time winningest quarterback? David Green? Yeah, that's Mike Bobo. Do you know who coached the highest scoring offense in Georgia history? No, it wasn't last year. It was 2014. Mike Bobo. Do you know who coached the, the number one overall quarterback who received the richest contract in NFL history and is a recent Super Bowl winner? Matthew Stafford? Yeah, that, that's Mike Bobo. Do you know who has the trust? and continuity of Kirby Smart, who he's been best friends with since they were teammates at Georgia, who understands all the terminology. We don't have to change any terminology in this Georgia offense from one year to the next. Bobo knows all the person. Dave, when you go down the list, it's hard to think that they wouldn't hire Mike Bobo. This is kind of like a chess move. When Bobo was brought on last year as an analyst, yes, his son Drew is there probably not a future NFL offensive lineman, but good enough to be a scholarship player. But much like the Muschamp hire, right? When Landing left, Muschamp just clicked right in, right? And now uh, Munkin leaves, and here's Bobo, already been on staff for a year, already knows the personnel, actually had one of these quarterbacks, Gunnar Stockton, committed to him at South Carolina. It just makes sense. So when you say, well, well who's a hotter name out there? You know, here's another. Let me go down this road for you. Someone say, well, yeah, it's too bad they couldn't hire a hot shot like Saban used to hire. Okay, like who are we talking about? Well, like Lane Kiffin. <laughs> Let's not get hooked started on him today. Well, how <laughs> about Steve Sarkeesian? What about Steve Sarkeesian? Oh, that's a great example. All gas and no break Steve Sarkeesian at Texas now, right? Yeah, yeah, him. Oh, you mean the guy that lost to TCU at home? 17 to 10 that scored one touchdown on that TCU team that Georgia put 65 on that offensive genius. That's the guy. So my point is this. I think sometimes we're all guilty of giving coordinators too much credit or too much blame when they're not all dealing with the same personnel. Your personnel has everything to do with your production. I mean, Hendon Hooker had a lot to do with Josh Heupel's now vice versa Heupel did a great job with Hendon Hooker you know but what a going away present from Jeremy
5: Pruitt to have signed Hendon Hooker Dave that's true but let me play the other side there has to be a young guy who's somewhere that Georgia could pull away who's a little bit more forward thinking than Mike Bobo Mike Bobo you would agree is more of a traditional offensive coach as opposed to let's say a Josh Heupel or Alex Golish or those guys
2: well, to your point, what you're reflecting on is true because in 2014 and his last year there, in 2013 and 2012, you're right. But, Dave, when you got Todd Gurley, I don't know how forward-thinking you really want to be. Wow,
5: that's fair. When
2: you got a backfield with Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, and Sony Michelle, I don't know that you really want to throw it all over the park. Now, the question that you're asking is, is a good one because the question is, how will Mike Bobo do, or will Mike Bobo be successful calling plays out of a spread? We're seeing more spread now. You're, you're going to see pro style. Bobo does a lot at the line of scrimmage, which Kirby likes. He wants a quarterback that can fly the jet at the line of scrimmage and make all the adjustments. Because if you're good at it, the other the defense can really be helpless. Right? Like I remember talking to Baylor, a Baylor safety, a, a couple years ago at the combine. It was about Jake Fromm, though. I said, "What makes Jake Fromm so good?" Because Jake was a really clean, proficient, didn't get sacked a lot, didn't throw many interceptions. He said, well, here's the problem. When you, when you face a pro-style offense and the quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage and they see what we're in, if they like what we're in, they're snapping the ball and they're going. They got the look they want. They got the match. If they don't like what, what we're in, they change the play. And before the defense can react, they've shifted into the right play. Now, why don't why doesn't everybody do it? Well, because not everybody has weapons at every position that can win it in every matchup one-on-one. But when you've got that talent disparity that Georgia has over most of the opponents, you can go, yeah, let's go ahead and throw to receiver a instead of B or C in front of D because they're all, because they're all future pros. It's not like you're, you know, going away from one great receiver to go to a trashy one that now maybe some programs don't have the luxury of the talent, but when you've got the talent and you've got the ability to change the plays of the line, and that's what we have to see if Mike Bobo can do, and do it with the personnel he has. That's the other thing, Dave. You know they no longer have Darnell Washington, and even though Darnell, you might say, well, he only caught twenty-eight passes. I thought Brock Bowers was the one. Yes, he did, but he's six foot seven and two hundred eighty-five pounds, and when you go double tight end with a guy like that, he creates problems because yes, he can catch the ball but he can also block anybody you've got. So all of a sudden now that double tight end formation, you're not going to have a weapon like that. The next guy they put out there in double tight ain't going to be able to block everybody. So how does Bobo use the guys? He brought in Dominic Lovett, the slot from Missouri last year. They didn't use the slot. They went double tight end. Now you're going to see slot. How does he use his personnel and how does he play call and how does he prepare? Does he see the game like Munkin did. And that's the question. We don't really know because I don't think Auburn is a very good barometer since it was really Brian Harson's offense. And I really don't think South Carolina had the talent to really compete with anybody. And, and when he was at Colorado State as a head coach, he might as well have been on Mars. So to your point, we haven't really seen him do it with the kind of personnel and the talent that he's going to have around him. Now, you say there might be a young guy out there that can do it. Well, maybe. But if he came in Could he keep the terminology the same? How long would it take him to learn the personnel? And would Kirby Smart trust him? Because you and I both know, having covered the Philip Fulmer years, that it takes a lot for these head coaches to trust their coordinator. Head coaches can get in the way. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're calling what? No, no, we're running it. No, you can't have – in an ideal situation, you can't have that. So that's why I think it had to be Bobo, the Kirby trust, the knowledge of the personnel. You don't have to change the terminology. And, and I do think based on his history at Georgia, he's a Georgia man. He ain't looking to step ladder, not looking to go to the next school. His son's going to be there a few years. It, it just makes sense for those reasons. Careful. Mike,
0: uh, Mike, sticking with the um, – uh, good to finally meet you, by the way. I've been reading your stuff for a while. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Ken. So, thanks. So um, uh, just uh, sticking with Georgia, uh, you know, the SEC, as we know, is in the process of doing their new scheduling format – um it sounds like much to my chagrin i want to just i want to just see the division stay as they are move alabama and auburn to the east missouri to the west but um sounds like they're going to do a one opponent and seven rotating or three permanent and six rotating something like that is there any chance in that scenario that tennessee and georgia are is going to be a a stay an annual game or is that is that over
2: Well, one, I think we're going three six instead of one seven format because of the money, and they have to increase the value of their television package with ESPN. Nine SEC games is worth more than eight SEC games, so yeah, that means we're going to see four non-conference, excuse me, three non-conference games instead of four, which I'll miss, which I think kind of hurts the SEC a little bit um, because they're going to beat each other up even more, and now we're going to a playoff where there's more games. So start with that. I think we are going to see the three six and. And I'm with you, you know, here's the question, you know, what's the one Tennessee rivalry that you absolutely think they will keep no matter what, what's the one team?
5: I guess Alabama.
2: Yeah. Okay. So if we start with that premise, then probably not, because is it really fair to ask Tennessee to play Alabama and Georgia every year? Now, if you're Alabama, everybody just wants by the way, everybody. And Oh, here's the other thing. Hey, Y'all can't all have Vanderbilt as an annual opponent. Now, I I know everybody wants to play Vanderbilt and go to Nashville every other year and take over their stadium and get wins. every. Y'all can't have Vanderbilt. I think Tennessee is going to be the team that hits the lottery. And one of the three teams, I think Tennessee will play Vanderbilt. Sankey mentioned the, the length of rivalries and the proximity is some of the priorities. Now, I think he was you know, selling oil to the people out west that are coming in, letting them know that, you know, don't worry, Texas and Oklahoma. You'll get to all play each other in Missouri and Arkansas and some other crappy team from the west. We're not going to ask you to play Alabama every year like Tennessee's done forever and has derailed how many other seasons over the years recently under the Saban era. But if you're going to ask Tennessee to play Alabama every year, then I don't think you're going to ask him to play. I do think you're going to see Tennessee play Alabama Vanderbilt and I think Kentucky I think Kentucky is the other team Kentucky's got to play somebody hooked I mean nobody wants to play them it's cold up there the stadium's small and it's a basketball school you don't recruit the state what do you nobody wants to play Kentucky but somebody's got to play Kentucky and and just working around the other schools like Georgia for example because what I'm hearing from the Georgia fans is oh well you know we really like Auburn well Georgia's the opponent that's not going to go away is Florida that's going to be their automatic game. Now, are you going to ask Georgia to play Florida and Auburn? You might say, well, yeah, that's cool enough, but but let's switch over to Auburn now. Are we going to ask Auburn to play Alabama and Georgia every year? If we're not going to ask Tennessee to do that, it doesn't seem likely to me or fair to me that you would ask Auburn to do it unless they got a piece of that Vandy pie, I guess. But I would say more unlikely than likely. For the reasons that I outlined in, in parts of the quotient, that I shared with you, I think it's more unlikely than likely that George and Tennessee continue to play every year. Unfortunately, because I think it's a great rivalry um, because of their border states, uh, Tennessee recruits Atlanta heavily. Uh, Kirby just does not like Tennessee. Like, like that's really a thing with him. It, it, he, he, he just all bristly that week of the Tennessee. It's not like some warm, special rivalry that's, you know, you know, oh, like the Jacksonville has its own hall. no, it's not that, like, they don't like Tennessee, period. And Tennessee really doesn't like Georgia, period. There's nothing warm and cozy about it other than the geographical proximity.
5: No, you're right. I think it's one of the most underrated rivalries in all of college football. Because um, when you talk about Tennessee, they've got, like, 15 rivals. And uh, Alabama, you talk about them being one. Uh, but I, I think Georgia's right there. Why doesn't Kirby – I let me mean, let you go. I've, I've kept you too they never long. beat long. I, I hate that. He never beat him as a player.
2: Simple as that. Kirby, you got to understand Kirby, man. This guy, first of all, there's there are all these coaches are ruthless, all of them. They have to be. It's part of the job description to be ruthless. But with Kirby, it's like he operates like a, like a, like a predator in the wild. If he's hungry, he eats. If does this here's how you answer what's Kirby going to say? Does it help him win a championship? Yes or no? Check which box. No, then this is what he's doing. Does it help him win a championship? Yes. Then that's what he's doing. Other than a little bit of golf and on an ornery streak, he's still pissed off. Like every morning I said he eats glass on his cereal for breakfast. The guy is constantly consternated and upset, and it's never good enough. N'Kobe Dean, the Butt Kiss Award winner last year, uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, draft pick last year, was telling the story about how his sophomore year he was out there and, and Kobe Dean is a, a five-star recruit uh, of engineering student. I mean he's everything you could want in a student athlete. And Kirby comes over to him, puts his hand on his shoulder pad and says, pretty tough day today. Were you up late uh, last night? Uh, I understand you had, yeah, coach man, I I had a test this morning, you know, it was like Kirby goes, it's good, it's good. Hey, no Kobe, nobody cares. All right. Make the assignment. That's the, that was a motto for nobody cares. Like nobody Cares. I don't want to hear what your problems are. I don't want to understand why you may be having a bad nobody cares. And that is what it takes. And it's out with the old and Stetson Bennett. The the greatest part of this not the greatest, but one of the most interesting parts of the Stetson Bennett story that nobody in Georgia talks about and in Hollywood wants to overlook. Is after last year's national championship game, Stetson went on Good Morning America. This is this is Georgia. And he's the hero. I mean, my goodness, what a rags to riches story to go from walk on in 2017 to junior college transfer to Mississippi in 2018. He gets the 11th hour phone call in 2019. He thinks he's going to go play for Billy Napier in Louisiana. But, but George said, well, wait, we may have some. 2019. He gets that 11th hour call on signing day. They got nobody else to back up Jake from. Justin Fields is transferred. They can't sign anybody else. So let's call old Stetson. He was good in Rose Bowl practices. He's still hanging out there. So Georgia gives him that scholarship because they got to have somebody to back up Jake. Then they bring in Jamie Newman from Wake Forest to be their quarterback. Well, him and Munkin don't see eye to eye. So they get a second transfer in three months, JT Daniels. This is Munkin's guy. But the knee's not cleared for the opener. They start Dwan Mathis, the kid that had brain surgery, who was an Ohio State quarterback who flipped when Fields transferred, and he can't get it done in the first quarter. So (laughs) I guess we'll throw Stetson out there, and Stetson lights it up. And Stetson starts winning games, and Stetson's beating Alabama 24-20 at halftime in Tuscaloosa in 2020, that team with Devontae Smith and Waddle, while Waddle's still healthy. Stetson's beating them, but then the clock strikes midnight. He throws some picks. They lose in the second half. He gets injured against Florida. It's JT Daniels time. He rings the bell. Seven wins in a row. High returning quarterback, QBR record. Everything's going great. He gets hurt, brings Stetson back, and he wins a 2021 title. And you're going, what a great story! Kirby's on line one. Caleb Williams. So Betson goes on national television the day after the national championship game on good morning, America. And they say, Stetson, are you going to keep playing? A lot of people says, I'm going to play somewhere and I'm paraphrasing. It depends on uh, if I can trust these coaches, whether I come back. We didn't know what he was talking about. Trust these coaches. What are you talking about? What he was talking about was he knew that Georgia was trying to get Caleb Williams. Well, they couldn't USC paid more. He went out West. He followed his coach. So this, this story – and then Kirby Smart, eight months later, seven months later, Dave, he's standing in front of the room in Birmingham telling us he is the most disrespected great player in the country. Remember all you media people. and then staff. And then all – and they were trying to get – and then all the SEC network people. Is he in your – oh, yeah, yeah, he's in my top five. Is he in your top five? Yeah, Kirby says he – yeah, so he's in my top five. he Really? So where do you have – well, he's in my top five. Now, nobody wants to be on record – is not liking Stetson Bennett because Kirby has put the edict out at SEC Media Days that this guy's been dogged by the media and mistrust. Well, coach, you tried to get another quarterback after last season. And now you're telling us that we don't respect him enough. So Stetson at the parade this year, he's like, Yeah, y'all doubted us, y'all. And I and I did a radio show, and I'm not going to use the language on this show that I did on that one. But Dave, it was one of those mornings. And Dave knows how I can get, because we travel together. And when both of us are having a bad day, it's really ugly. One of us having a bad day, the other one can usually compensate. But I was having a bad day, and the the guy, well, Mike, after all the way the media is treating Stetson and how hard. And I said, bull, you know what? He's all, (laughs) I said, (laughs) the media sent Stetson Bennett to New York City. There's 940 or 50 Heisman votes, Dave. What are there, 40 or 50 Heisman winners alive? The other 900 are media people that voted Stetson Bennett one of the top four players in the country. He wasn't even first-team All-SEC, according to the coaches, not the media. The SEC coaches have Hendon Hooker as the first-team All-SEC quarterback. So I don't want to hear that the media was bad to Stetson The media sent Stet to New York City. So, But, but again, I'm in, I'm in Kirby's world down here. We all live in it. And the perceptions are controlled by the kingmaker, but the reality—if if anybody would stop to think about this. so that's when whenever they do the movie, or the, I hope somebody calls me because I know how convenient, you know, this theme could be that you know this 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 Rudy on steroids, but that's really not how it is. There's some the raw truth is so much more fascinating, and and really more reflective of what Stetson, how resilient he's had to be to overcome this system that really is not set up for a guy like him to do what he's done. And, and you'll never see it again. You just won't. Not because there won't be anybody as good as Stetson, because I can tell you 10 quarterbacks right now that are, but because of the circumstances that enabled it to happen. So I know that's not what you called for this morning, but that was the tangent I went off on.
5: I love it. It was good stuff. Uh, baseball season starts today for yep. the balls, and Mike's throwing high heat so i absolutely love it uh i do um let let me get you out of here with this because we do have to wrap up but was he on your heisman ballot he was not on mine
2: well what was the well what 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 was everybody saying is he in my top five he was in my top five so he wasn't on
5: your ballot
2: but he was in my top five he
5: wasn't on your ballot he wasn't on mine either
2: i'll tell you who i voted number one i the guy that i voted number one didn't go to new york I voted Bryce Young. I thought Bryce Young was the best quarterback in the country.
5: I did too. I didn't think it was close.
2: But he lost two games, and that was last year's flavor. So I guess we're supposed to just ignore that against Tennessee, dude drops a ball at what, the 20-yard line? That would have given him a much easier. Then his field goal kicker misses. Then his D coordinator lets Tennessee drive like 40 yards in 12 seconds. That was not a Bryce Young loss. Then against LSU, Brian Kelly, who, man, what a great job he did. Not, he doesn't get nearly enough credit. But Brian Kelly's got a chance to go for two and we're going, man, this would be a ballsy call. Well, not really, Dave. And I know you've coached literally just like I have. And rule number one, never let the other team's best player beat you. And Brian Kelly's sitting out there. And as much as he doesn't want to go for two, if he can keep Bryce Young off the field, that's what he's going to do. That's why he went for two. He ain't given Bryce Young another chance to beat him. He goes for two and they beat. Once again, not a Bryce Young loss, in my opinion. So I, I love this him. guy. I don't know what he's going to do in the league hook. He's awful small. They're all small. You know, nowadays with these running quarterbacks, I think they all have shorter shelf lives. This guy looks like a more refined version of Tua to me. You know, he moves really well. He throws really well. If you've ever interviewed him. Um, you know, he's, he's extremely, his dad is a psychologist. This kid is thinking four levels. That's why Saban about two years in just realized like, I don't need to yell at this guy. I'm not getting anywhere yelling with this kid. I'm not helping. I don't need to yell at Bryce Young to motivate him. I mean, he is really on another, he's like on that Mr. Spock level. When you talk to Bryce Young, the wheels are moving fast. You see him processing on the field. And then the quickness is amazing. Sooner or later, they all get caught up with sooner or later, they all get hit even tim tebow went down i don't know what his shelf life is uh but i think he's probably the number one pick in the draft as well
5: mike throwing heat i appreciate it mike griffith the dog nation how do we follow you on the twitter yeah at mike griffith 32 all right appreciate it buddy all right Thank guys you.
2: thanks so much we'll see you Caleb.
5: See you, dave griffith is phenomenal oh, love God. that that was so good so good and when it comes to really good Vision care, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn right there in Knoxville. I got LASIK I can see far away. No problem whatsoever. Also, cataract surgery as well. They can do that. And just your regular vision eye care, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Mike and I agree way too much. Maybe we're getting old and soft, Caleb. The one thing I would disagree with him on is that there's no way in creation I was going to be a coach when my son played football in Little League. I, <laughs> I did that for about two weeks, and I realized that wasn't for me.
0: Oh, I, the, I, I didn't have time to get to it, but the one I disagree with was that wasn't Mike Bobo, who was behind Georgia's success when he was their offensive coordinator. That was Mark Rick's offense. Mark Rick coached a Heisman Trophy winner and Chris Winky and put that offense in place in Georgia, and he's the reason for that offensive success. And I'm sorry. Fair. That's it.
5: Fair. Have a great weekend, everyone. But once Mike gets rolling, it's like a boulder going downhill. Um, we appreciate Mike Griffith of Dog Nation. Fred White was awesome. He can be your all-state insurance man in anywhere in Georgia. Just Google Fred White, the former Tennessee safety, and all-state, and he'll take care of you. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. A Friday, have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you Monday at 10 a.m. Set the alarm or we'll remind you on that YouTube thing. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Hook Sports.
4: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now,
6: you want to get mixed up in the family business.
4: Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com.